Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I have something a little different for you guys this week. This is the first in a planned series of albums. Happy release day, Cherry Red Records, for this 80s classical volume one. We're talking about Nick Kershaw, Johnny Hates Jazz, and Carol Decker. Apparently, if I understand uh, the situation right, what happened was there were some concerts. Concerts were really successful. They decided to make some albums, and um, that sounds great to me. Uh, Featuring the three aforementioned people with the 50-piece Symphony Orchestra of Opera North. Um, Not familiar with them? And that's okay, because we're going to get familiar with them. I have not listened to anything that's on here yet. This is all brand new for me. Today is the release day for this CD. You can get it at Cherry Red Records. Link is in the show notes because, of course, it is. Why would I do a review of something, get you guys all excited, and then not tell you how to get it or make you go dig for it yourself? That would be stupid. I'm not that dumb. I brought you the link. It's in the show notes. So there are 14 songs on this uh, collection, and this is produced by Steve Anderson. And... um, arranged and conducted by Cliff Masterson, who uh, has done some work with uh, Little Mix, Josh Groban, Tom Walker. Uh, pretty good um, pretty good uh, list there. And also, there is a bonus track on here. I mean, it's just listed as a, a track, but there's it's uh, a, a, one song's on here twice as a, a synth remix, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so we'll get to that. Uh, I think... Um, Maybe I'll do those two songs back to back. Maybe not. Maybe I'll just do the album in order. That's probably the way to go. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is pretty interesting. Um, the show made its debut in 2019 in England. And there were a couple concerts there. In the fourth year, having hosted a lineup of appearances by Jimmy Somerville, Belinda Carlisle, Kim Wilde, Heaven 17, Go West, Nick Hayward, Howard Jones, Hugh and Cry, and John Parr. Uh, the brand makes the transition from stage to the studio for their debut album release, hence volume one. Uh, I would imagine uh, providing that this was a successful endeavor, and I'm sure it will be, there will be more volumes to come. I'm already excited. I haven't even heard a note yet. But you know what? I know the quality of music being put out there today, and I see absolutely no reason why it wouldn't just be outstanding. Uh, and I, you know me, I'm a pretty positive guy going into things I've never heard before. Even that Kiss album that I reviewed with John Matola and the Poison album having a, not a great impression of Poison. I was very optimistic going in. And you know what? I actually ended up liking the album. So take that. Um, so there are, uh, like I said, there are 14 songs on here. Let's just dig right in because, you know, I could talk about statistics and who done what and all that. But it really comes down to the music, guys. That is what is always the core of what is most important here is the art. And in this case, it's an album. So our first song is called Can You Feel It? I know I'm going to mess this name up, so please forgive me. I say this every time because you guys know I'm absolutely horrible at names, even English names, let alone foreign names. Uh, But this song is credited to the Orchestra of Opera Opera North and Edetune Eula. A-D-E-T-O-U-N, last name A-Y-O-O-L-A. have no close, no idea how close I am uh, on that. Hopefully reasonably close because I don't like to butcher people's names. I just don't know how to pronounce them. And that's the way it is. So here is Can You Feel It? 
Wow. Well, first of all, let's talk about the production. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. You don't get to hear it in this clip. I'll save that for you guys going and checking it out for yourselves. But there is a fantastic vocal performance on here. This is so beautifully mixed. I can tell you when you've got instruments, you know, you've got a band and you've got a vocalist, that's enough to deal with when it comes to uh, being a mixing engineer. I've been a mixing engineer for over 30 years, so I'm quite familiar with how this process works. What I can tell you is when you add an orchestra to that, um, <laughs> you're just you're just adding so much more work to get a good balance and um, and a really solid recording because there's so much fighting for uh, that audio space. And we're talking about, you know, a huge orchestra. It's a 50 piece orchestra on top of the band. And I don't know who the engineer is on this, but they did an absolutely masterful job. I really hope they keep them, well, depending on what I hear for the rest of the album, but I really hope they keep them for the rest of the volumes because this person, at least on this song, definitely knows what they're doing. Excellent vocal performance, very energetic. Um, the ending of it is very much like a live show. In fact, I can see why they picked this song to kick it off because this is really the perfect opening for a concert, a show, an album. Um, it, it has that whole warm up like, hey, the orchestra is all shown up. Let's all get in tune. Let's watch the sunrise and start playing. It definitely has that beginning of an epic event kind of feel to it. And so I think the the order of or the placement of this being first, uh, I, I doubt there's another track that would have been better as far as that goes. Plus, it's very energetic. It uh, it just kind of gets you up and moving right off the bat. So it's uh, it's it's a killer song to open a track with. I, I I'd be hard pressed to find something better um, for this kind of album, or really like for a pop album or something. I'm really surprised, too. I, I really didn't know what to expect as far as the sound went. I mean, I knew it was orchestra. I really thought it was more orchestra with vocals over it. But we've got a band as well. So uh, this is really cool. I, I'm really digging this first track. I say we jump into track number two, which is called Wouldn't It Be Good? And this one is credited to Nick Kershaw and the Orchestra of Opera North. <laughs> I swear there are vocals on this album. I, I promise you that. If the first minute of the next song doesn't have vocals in it, I will uh, play a clip a little bit later into the song. So don't worry, you're going to hear some vocals. Um, this is a really nice one. As you can hear uh, just from the music and when the voice is added, it follows along very well. Um, it's, it's tricky. And this is a great example of how tough it is to mix this kind of music because during the verse, uh, at least the first verse, the voice is a little bit loud. Uh, for my taste to the music. However, 
when the rest of the orchestra kicks in, uh, it's almost too quiet. But the voice level is consistent through the whole thing. It's such a tricky thing to mix. And you have to make sacrifices a little bit here and there to make it work. Um, You're never going to have a 100% perfect mix with music like this. But this is very good. Very, very well done. Um, The voice is is really good. Very solid. Very strong. Almost... um, almost a little bit detached in the beginning, I think. And, and as the song goes on, it becomes a little bit more um, involved in, I guess, the story is how I would say it. But it's a really pretty song. Very, very well done. Um, really, really brings me back to the 80s feel. That's for sure. Even though I'm not hearing this done as as like the typical synth-driven uh, 80s music um, as the primary instrument, um, definitely feeling that vibe for sure. So this is very, very well done. Um, looking forward to our next song, which is called China in Your Hand. And this one is um, listed to Carol Decker and the Orchestra of Opera North. It's amazing looking at the waveforms of this music. It really almost feels like it's brick wall limited. I mean, there's so much sound, yet it isn't. Not at all. Um, It's rather surprising. Um, I do feel like the strings are kind of uh, maybe uh, overbearing uh, just a little bit, kind of maybe drowning out some of the lesser instruments. But it does sound rich and full, and I really do like that. There's a really nice sax solo in this song. You guys are getting to hear some vocals. The funny thing was, I I was ready to um, pick my spot where I wanted the clip to start. And I was actually able to start at the beginning because we finally have vocals within the first minute of the song. Not uncommon with orchestral music or orchestral versions where they do much bigger warm-ups than a regular pop song or a pop version of a song. Um, But I feel like the songs that they've chosen, at least so far, and granted, we're only three in, but I definitely feel like there's a certain uh, thematic feel to the songs, uplifting, really powerful vocals, um, songs that make you feel something and, and uh, just make you want to, I don't know, get up and accomplish something or, or just feel like you suddenly have this energy or want to tackle or, you know, some quest or whatever it is. But they, they all have that uh, similar theme to me so far, which I like very much. Um, I, I like uplifting music. Um, Our next song is called Shattered Dreams. This one is credited to Johnny Hates Jazz, which, you know, it's not for everybody, Johnny, and the Orchestra of Opera North.
This is the first song we encountered that I actually know from the 80s. Um, I wasn't familiar with the first three, although I enjoyed them very much uh, hearing these versions. But now that we have one I'm familiar with and, and see how they're coming together, the orchestrations and all that, I have to say they're doing a really good job because they're not just taking the orchestra and mimicking the song. They're kind of creating a lane for the orchestra that enhances the song like you would any other instrument or set of instruments. Um, kind of carving their own space and making the song unique, these versions. I really like this. And, uh, you know, we've got a good solid voice for this, very similar or on par with um, the original. Yeah, I like this version. I, I think um, this is definitely something I would listen to again. And I'm curious because song five is called Africa. And I'm wondering if this is Toto's Africa. Don't think I know any other songs titled Africa from the 80s. But you know what? It's very possible. I wrote a song called Africa, which was nothing like this at all. But we'll see. This is credited to uh, the Orchestra of Opera North and Gavin Conder. I was so excited when this started and it was the song that I was hoping it would be. Um, but I have to say, I don't like this. Um, I think the mix is very off balance here, even just at the beginning, like the synths way overpowering the flutes. Um, each of them should be able to shine a little bit. And I think the synths are a little bit loud, but they're more on par with where the vocals are. And if you brought the flutes up, then they would start getting into those frequencies that aren't pleasant. So it's such a tough thing as an engineer. Um, but but I love the orchestral arrangements. I think the strings are fantastic, especially as we get about halfway through the song. Um, but the vocals kind of lose me a little bit too. They're they're a little bit flat and um, and dispassionate for me. And this this is a song that, you know, when you listen to Toto's version of it, I mean, for one, you've got Jeff Picaro laying down the beat. You're never going to be able to beat that. I don't care what you do. Um, I could definitely understand why they didn't want to take on Rosanna on this album instead, because that's that Picaro shuffle thing is a bitch. But um, yeah, the vocals just feel really flat. I mean, when you listen to Toto's version, they're passionate. They're, this is my passion. This is, God, I just, Africa, you know? And this is just, they're singing the notes, you know, very nicely, but it just feels very flat to me. Um, so unfortunately, I have to say, I, I was most looking forward to this song on the album, but um, doesn't doesn't quite make me smile like the other ones have. So let's see where we're at with song number six called I Don't Want to Be a Hero. And we have uh, the return of Johnny Hates Jazz. He still hasn't come to terms with it. And the Orchestra of Opera North.
Well, at first I thought we were getting a, some kind of version of Nirvana's Come As You Are, but uh, nope, not at all. We get I Don't Want to Be a Hero. And uh, all these songs so far have had a, a solid ending. None of them fade out. I imagine what they did is they just took the way that they performed them in concert and recorded them uh, in just, you know, very clean sounding studio. The, the production on this overall, um, I absolutely love. And I really, uh, I, I might say a couple of things I don't like about the mix, but I have to say this is some of the most difficult music to mix. This, this kind of combination of orchestra and pop um, it's, it's really difficult. I've tried, um, you know, to do it a little bit myself and of all the stuff I've ever mixed and I've mixed all kinds of stuff. I have to say it, for me, it's definitely the most challenging and, um, it's not going to be perfect, but, uh, like I said, the engineer is doing a great job here on this. I really like this one. I think the vocals are very on par, um, very much. We're back to that eighties feel that I felt at the beginning of the album. And uh, yeah, I really dig this one. It's got good energy. It's got that right vocal sound, almost that Kaja Gugu style uh, vocal, which really, to me, uh, when I think of the 80s, that's one of the things that my mind just immediately goes to. And it's really enjoyable. Some great strings on here, um, really good percussion, some solid hits with the orchestra. Um, definitely a track that I really, really enjoyed. So um, yeah, kudos on that one. Our next song, as we hit the halfway point of the album, uh, well, I guess you could argue because there's 13 songs and then a remix. So this is song seven. So kind of the middle of, of uh, the album, I guess. Uh, this is called Human Racing. And we have the return here of Nick Kershaw and the orchestra of the of Opera North. If I'm thinking in terms of a live performance, like, uh, you know, a big epic show, I can imagine them on stage with the orchestra. I can imagine little lights for stars in the sky and things like that. Uh, I could see why they would pick a song like this, because from a performance standpoint, I think it would work great. If you're looking for songs from the 80s, um, I don't I mean, I guess it depends on what your perspective of the 80s is. For me, there's two. There's like, uh, you know, what was going on in the in the rock scene. And then there was the British New Wave. And then there was kind of everything else. Like those were my two big focal points. And, you know, when when people say 80s music, I think about, you know, big hair, spiked wristbands, fishnet, everything. You know, that's just kind of where my brain goes. So this isn't a song that I necessarily would think about when when I'm buying an, an 80s collection. But like I said, that's just me. It all depends on what your perspective is. It's a beautiful song. Absolutely beautiful song. Uh, not what I would have expected, but uh, that doesn't mean anything at all, except to me. <laughs> so there's that. 
a beautiful vocal performance though uh lovely string accents in here um definitely a a brilliant performance and one i could see um you know being especially enjoyable in the live show for sure um our next song is one that you'll probably know and getting more back to my uh my idea of synth pop we're talking about sweet dreams are made of this originally by the eurythmics and this is credited to the orchestra of opera north probably no surprise there and the name i can only hope i'm pronouncing right editune eula once again my deepest apologies if i am butchering that um never my intent to insult or butcher anyone's name um but i'm sure i do it all the time <laughs> and uh here it is definitely the most epic sounding song on this album so far i have to say uh really unexpected you know when i uh loaded up the waveform and i'm looking at it i'm like okay you know this you can see the uh the tempo of it very easily and then it's just this orchestral explosion definitely sounded more like something i would have expected steve jablonski to write on a score for a transformers movie where, you know, you're flying over the desert and all of a sudden you see the Autobots are picking away at the Egyptian pyramids, something like that. I mean, it was just intense. Um, but as you can hear towards the end of this clip, it does get into, you know, more of the Eurythmics feel of the song. Um, there are some really, really nice vocals in here. It's uh, I, I was just reading yesterday. I don't remember who they were talking about, but somebody had done a cover of, uh, of a different Annie Lennox song. And... Um, they were talking about how difficult it is to really capture her feel. She's, you know, in my opinion, she's got a voice, but she's also kind of breathy at the same time. It's really not easy to um, to capture what she can do. She's also got a very haunting quality to her voice. And some of that's the way it's mixed, because when she does her oohs and ahs, they usually put them in the back with a lot of reverb. But she has some really amazing vocal qualities that... You can sing the notes, you can sing the pitch, you can sing the you know velocity and the duration, but you aren't necessarily going to be able to replicate what she can do. But I will say the vocals on this are very good, very elegant. The orchestra is fantastic. The brass, really strong on this one. Um, the combination of brass and strings making up the melody of the song and keeping the rhythm are uh, really, really impressive. I have to say it's a, it's a weird riff, like when you really break it down. It's kind of a weird riff the way that it's played, but I really do like this song. I always have. I think they did a fantastic version of it here. 
I love the unexpected, explosive uh, action-adventure orchestra at the beginning. You do get little uh, bits of that throughout the song as well. Um, Excellent, excellent version. I highly, if you don't listen to anything else on this album, and I know we're just past the halfway point, but if you don't listen to anything else on this album, make sure that you listen to the full version of this song because it is absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. Now we're going to go to a song that um, by title is not familiar to me, although you know what? Once we get into the song, I may know it. I used to know, you know, all the songs, how long they were, um, you know, what album they were on, what the song length was. I used to know all that stuff. And now I barely even remember titles because I'm getting old. But anyway, this is called The Riddle, credited to Nick Kershaw. And don't be surprised, the Orchestra of Opera North. For me, this one was okay. Um, again, I, I kind of feel like the vocals are are just kind of following the page. You know, I'm not really feeling any emotion or anything coming from them. Not even feeling the story, you know, um, but that's just me. I'm pretty particular about things like that. Uh, musically, it's really good. There's some really nice string parts in here. But I think I'm starting to realize, too, um, I hadn't really dug too deep into my engineer's ear listening to this other than just like on the surface. But I'm noticing that a lot of the strings are right where the vocals are in the mix. So they seem to be uh, dead center, whereas strings really should be spread out a little more uh, lead instruments or powerful encompassing instruments should not be in the same uh, spot of the sound field that the vocals are because they need to stand out from each other. Blend in together, yes, but they kind of both need their own space. Vocals should, lead vocals should typically be in the center. Strings should be off to one side or maybe pan, split pan to both sides. Um, and I think that's what's causing some of the uh, the mix issues. But that's just me, my opinion. Um, I wasn't there in the room. I don't, I'm not looking at pan dials. I'm only going by what I'm hearing in the final. Um, but good, good song. Um, just not one that inspired me too much. I definitely was not familiar with that one. Um, don't recall hearing it before. Very possible that I have, but um, that's okay. You know, I, I'm not expected to like every single thing I hear, but I'm still optimistic. And we're going to get to the next song. It is called Heart and Soul. I don't know if this is the uh, the famous Heart and Soul, because that was, I'm pretty sure in the 70s, the one I'm thinking of. Uh, credited this time to Carol Decker and the Orchestra of Opera North.
Yeah, this is a great song. A really passionate vocal performance, really strong uh, band and orchestra. Love the the 80s snare drum sound, and they really nailed it on this song. Uh, very, very, uh, just, just brought me right back into uh, 80s music when I heard that. Um, I actually, interestingly, thinking of a, another 80s uh, star, I think Debbie Gibson would do a great job singing a song like this. So uh, who knows? Maybe she'll be on one of the future volumes. That would be awesome. Um, love to hear. You know, I think they could do something really great with a, an arrangement for Foolish Beat. But I would say uh, since they're going for more upbeat songs, I would say like Lost in Your Eyes would probably be a really good one. Or, um, yeah, that would probably be the one I would go for since that was her biggest hit. Although, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anything is possible might be a little bit too long and not enough upbeat tempo wise. It's hard to say, but I would like initially I'd probably jump at Lost in Your Eyes. But that's not this song anyway. She's not even on this album. I don't know why I'm talking about her. This song is really good, but it proves something that I was just thinking. And what I said uh, in my commentary after the last song, they've got a speaking part and you can hear the speaking part in three distinct places in the sound field. It's in the center, but it's also very far in the left and very far in the right. I'm actually moving my fingers where that is. You can't see me do that because this is an audio podcast. Um, And then on top of that, you have the lead vocal, but you can hear everything clearly because everything is separated out. So if they were to do that with the strings, as well as the uh, the lead vocal. I think that might work a little bit better. However, uh, if you want consistency from volume to volume, the way they're doing it is fine. Um, it works. I, I do feel you have to sacrifice a little bit of volume control between the vocals and the strings to get it to work. But, um, you know, every engineer mixes the way that they mix, and that's why certain people get called for certain types of projects, because that's what they're known for, or that's what they're, um, you know, they might have a certain flair for. Uh, it doesn't sound bad by any means, but I think you could get a little bit tighter of a sound if you did it that way. Um, just my thought. So uh, that was Heart and Soul. Not the Heart and Soul I was thinking it might be. Like I said, I think that was from the 70s, maybe even earlier. I'm thinking if you've seen um, the movie Big, the Heart and Soul that uh, Tom Hanks and Robert Loja played on the floor piano uh, in the Toy Store scene, which, um, you know. You may remember if you were, especially if you were a fan of this era of time, um, very likely you have seen that movie. In any case, it's also on YouTube, I'm sure, in at least 80 different videos. Uh, Anyway, that was Heart and Soul. Excellent version of that, I have to say. That moves us forward to our next track called Turn Back the Clock. And this one uh, sees a return of Johnny Hates Jazz and the Orchestra of Opera North.
This is another song I wasn't familiar with, but I really like this. Um, I think the vocals are really passionate. Um, I like that the strings are at times uh, offset from the vocals so that everything cuts through really nicely. Beautiful arrangement. Um, without knowing the uh, the actual song, I couldn't say you know how how great of a job that they did with the arrangement, but I can tell you that the end result of what I hear uh, is very nice. I, I really like it. I think the vocals are really good on this one. Um, you know, and, and just that, you know, those 80 sounding drums again are, are just, uh, they're winning my heart over for sure. Uh, yeah, good, good track. Um, I'll have to go and seek the original on that and see, um, see how much different it is. Our next track is one that a lot of people will be familiar with, even if you're not from the 80s. Uh, it's the title track of a movie, and uh, you'll certainly know it when you hear it if you don't know it by title. And it's called St. Elmo's Fire. This is featuring the Orchestra of Opera North and our first track and only track with Cliff Masterson. You know, after our explosive action-adventure version of Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, I really wasn't sure what to expect for an opening here. Um, this was much more gentle, uh, much more just beautifully designed orchestral along with that percussion. Really like the intro. Great vocal on this one. Uh, very representative of the song. And there's some really nice uh, female backups in here as well. Orchestra really enhances it. Um, you know, this has always been a favorite for a lot of people, myself included. I don't actually remember much about the movie because I've only seen it once and it was a long, long time ago. But uh, but this song has always stuck with me. There's actually some great songs on that soundtrack, but I can see why they would pick this one. Uh, it converts to orchestra very, very well. Great arrangement and performance, of course. Um, definitely, you want to check out the whole thing because uh, from beginning to end, it's a fantastic track. And you get, you know, the version's just a little over five minutes. So you get a good chunk of song right there. Um, so yeah, yeah, a favorite on this album for sure. Our last proper track, and I say that because the final track is that remix version that we're going to get into here in uh, just a bit, but our final proper track on the album is called I Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, and this one is credited to Nick Kershaw and the Orchestra of Opera North.
Well, I really dig this track. Um, I love the reggae feel of it. I love the beat. Um, I think in the beginning, though, I want to say there were some marimba in the right ear, but they were so faint, I couldn't quite tell what they were doing. I'm not even sure that's what I'm hearing, but it sounded uh, like marimba. And it would make sense for a reggae style song to have a little bit of marimba in it. Um, Either way, though, if this was the last song of the concert version, um, this would be a great note to end it on. Uh, It's really energetic. I could see everybody just kind of getting up and moving and dancing. And um, it's got a a killer ending that would be a perfect ending for a concert. So um, I'm going to say that's probably the case. Um, Maybe our next track was an encore. I don't know. I, I haven't seen the show. I wasn't even aware of it until this album came out. Um, But this is a really good track. Uh, It's got a great feel to it. Really good vocal. Um, The string vocal combination, again, just so complimentary to each other. And the arrangements, now that we're through all the all the orchestral songs, I can say the arrangements on this album are absolutely fantastic. Um, I already can't wait to see what they do with volume two. I'm already excited about it. And that's after one hearing of volume one, where I'm not even really just listening to to the songs for enjoyment. I'm just kind of going through and soaking them in and analyzing them so I could talk about them a little bit. Um, Killer album. Yeah, this is a great release. So um, I'm going to go into our last track here. This is, uh, if you remember, track two was called Wouldn't It Be Good? This is a remix that, um, okay, so let's see how I do here. Uh, This is credited to, this is called Wouldn't It Be Good? Le Avenue Remix. And it's credited to uh, Nick Kershaw and the Orchestra of Opera North and Lay Avenue. Um, I kind of feel like they could have just said all tracks, the Orchestra of Opera North, because they are literally listed on every single track. And then, um, you know, whoever the featured artist is, is uh, listed as well. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to get into this one and see what we've got. Uh, It just says here in the notes um, that there is a new studio reworkings of the biggest hits of the 80s, plus a bonus remix by Synthwave Maestro Lay Avenue. And there it is. So we're going to hear it, check it out and see how this differs from the rest of the songs and go from there. go back and listen to the original version and see if the vocals are so kind of monotone. I mean, I know there was a lot of that in the 80s, so it wouldn't surprise me. Um, personally, I like a little bit more um, passionate vocal. I want something that has a little bit more feeling in it for me to feel the song because I'm not a words guy. I'm a, uh, you know, to me, the vocals are more of an instrument. So I really listen to them more for the sound. And I, I just kind of feel like um, they're notes on the page. You know, they're not played with any... Um, real feeling. 
in this particular song. And I kind of felt that way a little bit on the first one, uh, too, if I remember right. Um, decent song though. I, I like the arrangement. I kind of feel like these could be double albums where you have, you know, the, the first album is the orchestral interpretation. And then the second album is the synth wave remix. Cause I think this is really good. And I think that some of the other songs could have, uh, could easily warrant, uh, versions like that. But then you're also talking about more negotiations, more money, um, that goes to the originals and, uh, you know, it's, it, it becomes a bigger mess the more you complicate things. I tend to complicate things and make a bigger mess. So, so uh, that's why my brain goes to that. But yeah, no, this was a, a really cool version. The only song on the album that fades out, by the way, uh, I should point out as well, other than just like the, you know, the dissipation of strings and whatever. But uh, yeah, uh, in, in classic 80s style, right? Because so many songs in the 80s uh, faded out. But uh, yeah, cool version, cool album. I really like this. I'm really looking forward to the next album. I don't have any information um, on when that may or may not happen. I just know that today, June 21st, this one comes out. It's release day. Go down to the link. If you can't access the link for whatever reason, go to Cherry Red Records and just look for 80s classical. Um, it's actually, I think why I couldn't find it when I first searched for it was because I, I put 80 apostrophe S for 80s, but this is 8080 and then the letter S. So look for 80S classical. Um, or you could probably just look up like Nick Kershaw, N-I-K-K-E-R-S-H-A-W. Uh, but you know, to make it easy, the link is in the show notes where it should be. Um, really cool stuff. Thank you, Cherry Red Records, for providing me for this to, uh, to give a run through and see what I think. I can say, honestly, I will enjoy this many times over. I think it's a fantastic album. Um, love the production on it. You know, I, I have little issues because Again, remember, I'm I've been an audio engineer for 30 plus years, so I'm going to have my I like this, I don't like that moments. Um and and that's okay. If you gave this to 10 different audio engineers, they're gonna have at least 10, if not 25 different opinions on how this should have been done. But overall, uh, the sound is fantastic, it's very consistent. Um, I love that they didn't brick wall limit this. Thank you so much. Um, bowing down to you for making the choice to not do that. I don't really think you can do that with orchestral music. Um, there's just too many little frequencies. And I think, you know, strings uh, mixed with brass especially can already be way too huge sounding that brick wall limiting will just destroy it. So uh, kudos on on realizing that and not making uh, the choice to do it. Uh, other than that, guys, June 21st release day. Go check it out right now. Cherry Red Records. 80s classical. Thanks, guys. We'll see you in the next episode back on schedule, as far as I know, for our Wednesday show. Cheers. <laughs>